0: Inspired by the Canadian Federation of the Blind.
1: Outlook. A show about accessibility. Advocacy. And equality. I'm Brian. And I'm Carrie.
0: And we're two siblings who happen to be blind. Outlook. Outlook. Radio Western. Hello, good morning, and welcome to Outlook, first show of March. How are you doing today, Care? Live in studio again?
1: Yes, we're back for March, and uh, thanks everyone for tuning in this Monday morning to Outlook here on Radio Western. Uh, with as a podcast, shortly our show will become every time, and um, but yeah, we're happy to be here um, broadcast, broadcasting to Radio Western uh, to start this new month. It's uh, Women's History Month.
0: Yes, International Women's Day. It's coming up on Wednesday, March the 8th, but all month long is Women's History Month. So uh, we do have some exciting guests lined up for the month.
1: Yeah. um, And to start it off, um, being that it's Women's History Month, I do want to quickly give a shout-out to... um, I don't like to start the show on a a sad note, but um, this woman who did just recently pass away, uh, she it was big in, in women's history, specifically women's disability history. Um, but yeah, we will get to our guest today and we're going to talk audio description, one of my favorite topics, and one Brian's been learning about. He had an experience this weekend you're going to share with us, right?
0: Yeah, for sure. I'll uh, get into that here uh, briefly in a bit.
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm just going to start off and we'll, we'll do a, a, a full tribute to this to this lady uh, on our next Mixed Bag show in a couple weeks. Uh, but I just wanted to quickly mention that... Uh, uh, Judy Human died over the weekend. And uh, I read her memoir in 2020. It's called Being Human, and an ex- an unrepentant memoir of a disability rights activist. And it was co-authored by Kristen Joyner. And that came out in February, 2020. Uh, so I read that, I listened to the audiobook. And this is a woman who, uh, she was born in 1947, I believe. And she uh, came down with polio Back in 1949, when she was just a yeah, young you child, too, yeah. yeah. Uh, so she was in a wheelchair from that point on, and she really fought in the U.S. for uh, disability rights and. Uh,
0: Widely regarded as the mother of the disability rights movement.
1: Yeah, so that's quite the title, right? And, uh, of course, it it has to do with the history of disability, which we're trying to talk about more. It's one of those civil rights movements that is coming late to the game here, but we're talking on this show all the time about diversity and about intersectionality. And anybody can acquire a disability at any time, um, no matter your gender or your race or... Your nationality or any of those other things.
0: Yeah, and we, we covered uh, Judy Human quite a bit actually on this show. There were a few episodes that we did do back then uh, in 2020 when you were when you'd read this this book and then you know watched the Crip Camp: A Disability Revolution, which was a, a, a documentary um, that was that was put out at the time. Um, we did an episode on that, so we'll we'll share those in the podcast notes. If if not today, definitely on our mixed bag show coming up in a few weeks. Maybe one on this week too, just just to to get people more aware of this this person because she definitely was very uh you know a revolutionary in the disability movement, and uh, of course you know unfortunate loss. Rest in peace. Um, she passed away, yeah, over the weekend. Uh.
1: But we talk all the time on the show about perspective, and so she also had a podcast that I just recently started listening to. It was called The Human Perspective, and her name is spelled H E U M A N N. So she she was from a, a, she was of German origin and stuff, but uh, but yeah, I thought that was a pretty clever title for her podcast, and uh, yeah. So if you want to find out more before we cover her in a few weeks, you can go to judith judithhuman dot com. Right. And uh, yeah, so that's uh, that's that. And rest in peace, Judy. So let's uh, move on to our guest today, Brian. What do you say?
0: Yeah, I think that's a that's a great idea.
1: Yeah. So I don't know when you want to bring in your experience from over the. Weekend.
0: Yeah, I'm just going to kind of hold off. Maybe after okay. the after the break, or if it, if I find a spot, where it kind of fit in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we should kind of get right into uh, yeah. chatting with our guest today, and then I'll I'll fit it in throughout the episode because, you know, we want to talk about all of our different experiences with audio description and I like to start off always by letting our listeners know that Carrie's definitely kind of taken this one on a bit more than me and that's partially because, like, while I enjoy it, TV and, and movies to a, to a point. I'm not quite as into that as, as her. I'm more into music. So it's just not quite as a... And main... music
1: doesn't need audio description.
0: Yeah, not not generally. I mean, I guess music videos, which well, are yeah,
1: that's not a... as
0: popular maybe as they used to be, but they're still out there. So there's always a there's always a visual aspect and no matter what you're involved in. Like, even at a show, right? You go to a, see a live show and you miss out on that visual part, which is a big part for people, the True. stage show and Certain all of that.
1: Certain stage shows are pretty theatrical. Yeah, and, so, yeah so it's kind of
0: interesting to look at it in that sense. But mm-hmm. just the fact that that's kind of mower my interest, but yet I still obviously believe audio description is important and it's something I do use uh, and it's, it's it's of course, accessibility and inclusion for all. So, that's it's so important to have uh, audio description out there and even more important to have it be quality audio description.
1: Mm-hmm. So, today we're speaking with the CEO of Superior Description Services and uh, thank you, Rebecca Singh, for coming on Outlook today. Whoop, do we? For know. having me. Oh, there you, there are. you are.
0: Perfect. Yeah. We're glad to have you on today, and thanks so much for joining us. So, where are you? Where are you calling in from today?
2: Uh, so I'm I'm in Toronto today. This is my base, um, and uh, I'm in my uh, beautiful closet studio. <laughs> Pandemic creation.
1: Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I've heard a lot of people are using their closet as their studio. It, it helps with the sound quality in there
2: yeah yes exactly so i i i mean it it, it's not like it's it's not a tiny closet but um it's all kind of decked out with uh sound sound baffling and and uh you know that kind of stuff and i switched over from um recording elsewhere to mostly recording uh at home during the pandemic and uh yeah so that's where i am today yeah
0: Right on. Yeah, we have guests from all over on this on this program, as far as New Zealand and you know, in the, a lot from the U.S. But we always love it when we do have somebody on who is Canadian, as we are based, uh, you know, here out of London, Ontario, in Canada, and uh, especially you know, local here in Ontario is even better because I do find Canada is so spaced out, and to sometimes make connections in the disability community or people who work in the in the community, you know, whether they happen to have a disability themselves or not. I find sometimes we are kind of divided and, and the community is, is so spread out that it's so nice when we can find a connection, uh, a local connection like that. So uh, it's great. Great to have you on today.
1: Yeah, but yeah, thank you. Yeah, You cover a lot of things. If, if people want to find out more about what you do, you can go to superiordescription.com.
0: But yeah, I thought we could start... But,
1: uh, yeah, we're going to start with your background because you have a, a background before you get onto audio description in performance and... Uh,
0: actor singer writer and producer so you've definitely had (laughs) quite a quite a quite an experience over the years so if you could start maybe just by giving our listeners a bit about your background growing up and creativity and how you kind of got into acting in in the beginning and uh, we'll obviously move on to the audio description part after that but i think some background before your audio description life would be uh, interesting sure
2: sure 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 so um yeah, like, it, yeah, it's um, always a pleasure to kind of like, kind of have some time. Also, I appreciate to, to talk sort of the full picture. Um, I was a kid who loved like theater and performing, you know, um, right from elementary school. I, you know, chose drama as my elective and went to the fringe, like I was like a fringe kid, like when I was like 12, 13, 14, um, I would, I would just try and get like to see as many shows as I could. Um, and so, and you know, it was in my first fringe show, maybe I was 16 years old. I don't, I don't actually remember exactly how old I was. Um, but I was just really enamored with, um, with the theater and I, uh, I was born in, um, in Alberta. I grew up in Edmonton. And um, so, I, yeah, like I, I kind of really, it, it really seemed like a great sort of fit in terms of what I wanted to do. So I went to kind of a performing arts high school and then realized. Um, at the end of high school, I, I actually thought I would go into musical theater, but um, I decided no, like I wanted to do sort of more, more traveling and I ended up moving to Montreal and um, starting to work a little bit in uh, film and television and um by the time i was sort of in my early 20s i i realized that the way to kind of keep things going what you had to do as a performer um and a, as a storyteller is you had to kind of like make your own work um which means that you need to learn how to like produce and how to do a box office and and kind of surround yourself with um with other creative individuals um and uh and and, and really make you know sort of just kind of make, make stuff happen. So we were in Montreal, um, did a bunch of fringe type or, or like small theater festival um, uh, pieces, went on tour a couple of times doing Shakespeare and eventually realized that I really did, you know, have this unending <laughs> love for the theater uh, no matter how difficult it was and um, proceeded to uh, ultimately move to Toronto because, um, I, I was in Montreal for about 11 years, but, um, but I, I, I realized I needed to, to kind of move to a bigger center, um, in order to do that. And so I, I had by that point learned how to kind of create all aspects of the show. I'd, I'd been ushering for a really long time. So I had a lot of contact with, um, people who like, audience members and that kind of thing that was sort of like my side gig and I worked all these other kind of actor jobs um doing like standardized patient work or um you know little contracts that were six-week contracts or eight-week contracts and uh starting to um write actually write my own you know, pieces and that kind of thing. And, um, but then also working in film and television and kind of understanding more of the technical side of that as well. So I've kind of, uh, I, I, I kept expanding what I was doing in my world in terms of the, the arts and expertise in terms of producing, kept growing and growing and growing. And then at one point I uh, was working at what was then Equity Showcase Theater, which was a place where you could go and get um, you could go and take classes. They had like a hundred different classes that they would offer. Um, for people who were interested in making theater um, actors, you could take a singing, like a musical theater class. You could take, you know, basic acting classes. Uh, also voiceover professionals would come and and lead um, weekend workshops um, on how to do animated voices. And, <laughs> and it was a, it was a really like, it was a really fun job. So that was one of the first things that I, uh, landed it as a, I was a work, I was one of the coordinators of, of their, of their training. Um, and th- there was a sort of a room where people rented desks and one of the desks was rented out to a woman named Rose Jacobson, uh, who ran a, a project called the Picasso Pro Project. And she worked with um, disabled artists and helped them to create work. And um, that was sort of the first connection that ultimately down the road after I had I think stopped working at Equity Showcase Theatre uh, connected with me with an opportunity to audition for a program that was teaching audio describers. And that was sort of the beginning of my, um, my journey into the world of, of audio description. Um, I still do create, you know, I still do the same kind of roll up your sleeves, um, make theater, um, get on stage and uh, collaborate with other you know, actors and, and folks like myself. Um, um, but I also sing and I also, you know, I, I, am I'm still like sort of driven by the same passions, but something that has happened in the last, I would say about seven years or so that when I originally took the audio description, um, training was probably about 2011. Um, I have now, it's it's actually turned into a, a business and there's a, I have a, a team of people that work with me and um, we're really kind of busier than ever. And so I'm, um, you know, ha- happy to chat with you now. And really a lot of my time now is besides actually working on specific shows is spent trying to figure out the business of how to grow and like how to um, how to scale up my capacity um, in order to meet the growing needs, which is that's a really exciting thing. But the growing needs of um, of theater producers, uh, you know, or film producers, culture producers um, to be able to properly serve uh, audiences that include blind and and low vision um, patrons or, or audience members.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that kind of leads into our our next question is that we speak to people who are blind a lot on this show, like we are, but we also speak to anyone doing work, you know, with blind people because we talk about nothing about us without us. And so, Mm -hmm. as you say, so you're not blind,
0: just important nope. for our listeners to... Yeah, clarify we
1: clarified. Yeah. <laughs> we clarified that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and then you sort of led that there into how you got into working and doing audio description and and, and bringing in people with, with disabilities. Yeah, because, like I, I
0: mean, we, we, we talk a lot about how audio description itself is an art, and there is such a creativity yeah. to it. It's not, you know, just this sort of generic work. Technical thing. Yeah. Technical thing. Um, it has a personality to it. And so that does tie into the creative movement, um, the field, but yet oftentimes we wonder kind of how our guests maybe get into it because we sometimes feel, I think sometimes maybe people in the world out there generally would think like, oh, you must have family who's blind or somebody really close to you who's blind to be able to, that would have made you want to get into this type of work when really you can also just sort of happen upon it. It's in It's
1: organic, you came across it, because yeah. it. And that's a good sign that it's it, that it's out there, right? And so people like yourself doing all these jobs and all these areas in the arts, you came across it and and now that's what you do.
0: So, yeah, I don't know how much yeah. how many connections you have had you did have in the past with anyone who's blind, but obviously now throughout the the audio description, you I know you work with con- consultation a lot, consulting mm-hmm. with people who are you know who who use the products. So uh, so yeah.
2: Yeah. No, no, and I and I'd love to speak to that. I mean, so um so uh, yeah, I'm I'm not blind. Um I was initially attracted by the chance to audition. <laughs> I'll be very clear about right. that. Mm-hmm. I was like there's an audition, what's it for? Oh yeah, yeah like I, I, you know, yeah. yeah, I'm into that. That sounds good. And I think like and I think now I have I I'm probably one of the people in the country that has the highest level of experience in terms of amount of hours actually doing this especially for for a live work and especially because of my producing background mm-hmm. um I've certainly been the first audio describer at um it's dozens dozens of theaters and dozens of with dozens of companies um now uh so but yeah that my my first my first the thing that first piqued my interest was <laughs> there was an audition. Uh the second thing that piqued my interest was the fact that it's storytelling, really. Like um you you are you, you are um helping to tell the story Story, you know, in a play. So it, it, you have to use that sort of storytelling brain. And uh, I love storytelling. I love people too, you know, like I love that audience members. Um, and so I I, I really didn't have very many, like I didn't have any barriers to over, like to me, it was like, a, you know, like a no brainer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, because I started out with, um, and this was the first and possibly like only uh, training that has happened in Canada um, of it, of its sort. Uh, it, it There was a small group of us uh, in Toronto. There were maybe 10 of us. Uh, there was also a training by the same trainer around the same time um, at Stratford. And I think there were like six or eight people that were trained there. Um, we knew that um, we like I was more dedicated to it you know like it wasn't like a class that was running every once in a while mm-hmm. um I really from the very beginning committed to it it was um an uh, an initiative that was inspired in part by some accessibility that happened connected to the Olympics in Vancouver oh. and it was a, a unique opportunity um and so one of the things that happened was first of all, the trainer that came up from the States to train us really believed that actors were great for the job. And mm-hmm. I, I would echo that right now. Actors are really great for, you know, for live audio description um, in terms of being able to handle the realities of the, the quote unquote industry, uh, which means like you you know, you work on something, you, you're, you're building a craft, but sometimes there can be months or even, you know, a year between the times that you get to do it. Um, so that's hard to take for a lot of people, but also then when you do get to do it again, you know, you're supposed to be great. (laughs) So, um, this is the kind of like resiliency that, that actors sort of develop, um, as a matter of course. Um, but, the, the other thing that was really interesting about it was that right from the beginning, uh, there were um, blind and partially sighted folks woven into the process. And I've learned by far, um, you know, my most important lessons and um, my, you know, like the, the core of my craft has really been um, from, from, what I've learned from blind and partially sighted folks. I have now with my company uh, like a process by which the last step is presenting the work for blind and partially sighted folks um, in like as a dry run, so to speak, um, sort of like a dress rehearsal. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't like I've really had to push for that. Um, But yeah, I wouldn't do it any other way.
1: Yeah, we talk I mean I think all the time about and I, I as a I'm not a I'm not a an actor but I do um, Brian and I are both artistic creative people and so I love that world and I love the freedom and the expression but you do see a lot of things and you hear a lot of stories about the the lack of accessibility in arts even like for you know if if you're in a wheelchair or you're blind and you want to get a role get roles on, on stage and theater and and, and there, it's it's just it's changing and it's, it's becoming more and more accessible and that's great to see um, but as far as audio description I, I do I do love that there's more coordination between everybody um, it is unfortunate like you talk about courses offered here in Canada so I, res- I um during the pandemic I took a course to train for audio description to be a writer or a consultant and um, quality control and I, I, you know, I went to this to uh, to a course from the, from the U.S. because um, there, I didn't know what to do here in Canada, how to get into that field. So I mean, it, that's changing, mm-hmm. and it's and, and that's why I am finding folks like you because I, I came across mm-hmm. you in, in certain in, in certain environments, in certain live performances, and on um, virtual things over COVID and things. That seeing the kind of work you do, and I, I just loved um, discovering people like yourself doing this work in Canada. It's just so nice to see.
2: Yeah, uh, well, I mean, thank you very much. And, and I would just really say that one of the things that I had to do, so probably about for the first five years, I was still connected to that initial um, organization that provided the training. Slowly, our little group of um, describers whittled down to only about two uh, that were still sort of able to work with both actors, mm-hmm. um, but uh, then I started realizing that the problem was bridging the gap between you know the work and the pro- the the reality of a producer. Producers can be pretty risk averse, mm-hmm. and um, and I started kind of because I had a background producing stuff basically for the purpose of getting myself jobs like gigs and being on stage, um, I, I started sort of developing materials and, you know, conversations and the types of relationships needed to sort of break down those barriers and, and help producers understand, you know, like what, um, had to, had to go into, um, like what to do basically, like, you know, just, I, I started consulting, uh, from that, um, aspect as well. And, um, one of the things that's happened is there, there have been some training programs that, because there's always been sort of this academic look at audio description um, or I just, you know, there's been disability studies has sort of come, come um, has been Blossoming, blossoming. Let's say, like over the last, I don't know, decade or so. I'm, I'm not like an academic myself, but, right. um, but just in terms of like my awareness of it, it's been growing. Um, but uh, uh, that has, at, in at times, led to some training opportunities, which have, you know, like, I don't, I wouldn't say there's a healthy training environment, you know, out there. But I like what, what I did kind of realize is we are. Uh, so I, I'm partially responsible for helping to build the, the professional profile of an audio describer, which means like it's a paid job and um, not only an audio describer, but like all the different people that contribute, of course, including the consultants, like that's paid work. And the, there's an expectation of like professionalism and while we at this moment um are lacking a um, a certification yeah. um, procedure. Like I, um, you know, it's been several years now, at least five years, that I've been kind of looking to um, organize like structures in the UK, in in uh, Europe, in yeah. the US to understand like, okay, what do we need to do here? Like, where's the? How do we create a bar? You know? Yeah. Um, because also you, you there is definitely cases of people saying just thinking like well you know like I think I could do that right and and also cases of um, there there are sort of trainings that, that are similar to what I did at the very beginning which are one weekend or two weekend uh, two weekends but re- in reality and and I could say this is reflected by some information I've recently found from 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 um, at Europe, it takes thousands of hours to become an audio describer who can kind of like who because ha- because it's a craft that you have to build. Yeah. So uh, nobody is is offering nobody is offering that. So then so I now have an apprenticeship program. I have a few apprentices going through the program. Um, I'm gonna do another one, you know, relatively soon because there's a certain amount of experience um, just on the job that you 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 need to have, um, and so. So yeah, we're, we're. I think I'm the only one offering an apprenticeship opportunity, and I'm just doing it on my own. I'm not like funded by any entity. I'm not an organization that is uh, that I know of that is um, uh, uh, eligible for for funding because of because I'm I'm a service provider. Yeah. But um, yeah, but but there is starting to be uh, Canadian like places. Uh, in what we call Canada, you can take some trainings and different initiatives to help people become more familiar and help people kind of um, do uh, professional development. So like if you do take one of these courses, then now there's, there are some professional development opportunities where you can learn a more advanced level, like after that first kind Hmm. of, you know, experience. Yeah, of, I mean uh,
1: I've I've met, I've connected with many blind people who are doing who are getting into this this field and doing the writing or the mm-hmm. or the consulting and um just hearing the different programs they are just f- they're they're seeking out opportunities, but you do kind of have to hunt and so the, the one I took in the US was a it was like a Five day, one a full week of, of of training, and then I I took one like you say little weekend workshops out of the UK with the company Minds Eye and mm-hmm. Anne Hornsby who does some good work in the UK. Um, but yeah, it's just making connections, like you say, in the acting and the art world, it's the same thing. And I mean, I've I've been a writer for years, and it's that sort of thing about ten thousand hours you have to put in before you can be, you know get to a level that you want to be at yeah. for something like this and everybody's like oh I, I could write a book but you know it's not quite <laughs> that simple in that in in that or in in this like we're talking here today so it's great to meet everybody in here what's going on and, and and I'm hoping like Brian and I talk all the time about it's you know it comes so far from the days in the 90s when we would order those you know those VHS tapes mm-hmm. with audio description from Boston. And, uh, <laughs> and now there's companies in Canada and there's you and, and, and there's so much that can be audio described now. It's not just movies and t- and TV. It's, it's live and it's all kinds of art forms and anything that's, that is entertainment that anybody else could, not en- would want to enjoy.
2: Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really amazing how many different things, um, I've had the opportunity to to work on. Um, There's, you know, there's live performance, um, like dance, opera, uh, live theater. There's uh, things like, and, and I both work as a live on location audio describer, but I also kind of create... I would say like sort of bespoke audio experiences for people or for festivals that are offering Mm -hmm. something to people who come live to experience it, but the the offering is a recorded experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And some of that was sort of developed it, it, from the perspective of we would like everything to be accessible, like, okay, what are we gonna, how are we gonna achieve that? Yeah. Um, and so sometimes the if you want people to be autonomous and come at whatever time, like they wanna go into experience like, um, you know, something in a gallery space, for example, um, it may not necessarily be like a painting or a photograph, but the gallery space is open from nine to five um, it could even be a piece of performance art. How do you get people to experience that? Well, you can make a recording. And then, you know, the next step is, well, how do you deliver the recording to, to right. people? You know, are you asking them to, to scan a QR code? Are you giving them a device? Are you, you know, like, is it on your website? Like those are, you know, the next considerations. Um, and then there's also, there I, I've, I've been, like, I've had great like partners and, and collaborators that, have worked at festivals who have been really into like building something together and so um uh it's even been like the Illuminato festival has a radio station yeah i was going to bring uh, called that up radio for sure. lumi yeah radio lumi yeah and um you know that kind of came out of i come i convinced i convinced somebody there that they should have uh, in order to like more wel- be more welcoming to the community that they should have Braille's flyers. And then I went to a community fair that was set up by an organization here in Toronto, Balance for Blinded Adults. Right. Um, with, a, with a maquette, like a model of a, a theater um, piece, just to sort of like introduce like myself to... Um, to the community a bit more broadly this was probably in 2017 or something mm-hmm. and also to, to have these flyers to hand to people and um, I remember uh, this gentleman came up to me and he was like not interested in the theater yeah <laughs> not interested in the theater maquette <laughs> not that impressed by the flyer <laughs> uh-huh. and he's like you just need audio experiences and I'm like okay this guy this is this is all he he just wants an audio experience like he doesn't want to come like to the theater or to like, he's just not into it. He's like, it wasn't his, his thing at all. So because the festival is a multidisciplinary festival, sure. It has like music and that kind of thing. I kind of went, I kind of took that and, and I love it when people complain actually, like I'm, I'm like that person who like continually tells people to, uh, even though I work with all of these, like in, I work in the theater industry, I, I quite frequently am telling audience members if I might meet them after a show to go and complain mm-hmm. um, to other places because that's what um, that that works, right? Like in terms of like um, getting uh, access to more
0: access, the complaint is right. So I mean, so much it, it ties um, into the the consulting effective. where you want to get different people's opinions on things because. You know it's it's so great to have you on today as somebody that that's an ally with with the disability community by by doing the work that you do. But yet, you know, sometimes it, it is the whole thing about you know blind people not being involved in the process or people with disabilities or whoever it may be in whatever situation. So it is really great that you do have that interactive experience where people can can come up to you and 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 discuss how how it went and and any any feedback they have and to to really just make things better. So. For anyone who has been listening or who has maybe tuned in recently, you're listening to Outlook here today on Radio Western. We are speaking with Rebecca Singh, CEO and founder of Superior Description Services based out of Toronto. You can learn more at superiordescription.com. We're going to take a quick break here now on Outlook, and we'll be right back after this. Outlook.
1: Hello. We are back with the second half of Outlook today on Radio Western. Monday morning, first episode of our show for March. And coming up on Wednesday, the 8th, is International Women's Day. So we got a a month of uh, several programs uh, speaking with women uh, um, about all kinds of things. And today we're talking to Rebecca Singh from Superior Description Services. And it says high quality audio experiences, for visual media, performing arts, producers, publishers and broadcasters. And you can go to uh, SuperiorDescription.com to find out more about Rebecca. But we're going to speak to you here for the second half. Uh, Thanks again for coming on Outlook.
2: My pleasure, yeah.
1: So before the break, we were talking all about audio description and and all all the different facets of this thing. But before I forget, I got to ask you back to a bit of your acting work the topic of that. Um,
0: Jumping back to the acting a for a little second, bit. Cause well, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's how you started out <laughs> and everything. And, and that's what makes you so great at the work you do. And um, you're so immersed in all of that, that whole world. But um, we were checking out some of your acting credits and uh, our mother and well, myself too, a little bit. We're, we're fans of Handmaid's Tale. Were you involved in the Handmaid's Tale <laughs> in some way? Do you want to um, let us know what that was? Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah absolutely. Um, it was really an honor I um, I play in uh, I, I play an aunt um, in season four I believe it is um, really? and uh, it's yeah it's just one episode but uh, but I'm in there and uh, hold it holding it down for uh, for um, yeah for uh, probably just a few minutes of a scene but it's uh, it was such an honor to be part of that, I, um, was a big fan of the show and, um, and yeah, like I mentioned before, I still, uh, work as an actor and so I do auditions. Um, and this one, you know, like it's amazing. Sometimes you, you just kind of, I love doing auditions. I love playing, but, um, but I got the part and, uh, yeah, I found myself there with (laughs) Elizabeth. Moss and <laughs> it was just it was an incredible day
0: yeah that's that's definitely a big one that you know I thought yeah. we should definitely mention on air today just because you know it's a pretty popular show that a lot of people would know and of course originally a book <laughs> I, I unfortunately haven't seen the show but I did read the book uh, a yeah. while back so um, that is uh, something you should definitely be very proud of and uh, yeah there's so many credits out there another show that I I don't know if I was too familiar with but I recognize the name uh, In the Dark and I think you were a clerk on that mm. on that uh Program And I don't know, I think that might tie into blindness in some way. I can't quite remember what that program was, but uh, it sounded familiar. Um,
2: Yeah. So, I mean, in the dark, so the main character, I believe her name is Percy now, um, is a bit of a test. But anyway, uh, the main character um, is a sighted actor who plays um, someone who is blind. Um, I don't know the full, you know, storyline, but essentially she's, she's, She is somebody who acts in ways that, you know, haven't traditional like I don't know it's hard for me to to sort of talk about it it was also a contentious show well it makes yeah, me wonder right away when you
0: community just, just when you mentioned straight out that you know a sighted person played a blind person again this is a whole other discussion we won't get too deep yeah, into we but, haven't really mm-hmm.
1: talked to like blind actors too much on this show uh, but they're they're out there mm. and they're trying to get work on and not just as blind people but then when they when there's a, a blind character cast in a show or a film then who gets that part it's a whole discussion. it's a whole other discussion yeah. Yeah. no we sure, don't but. yeah we don't expect yeah. you to Comment on all that, but um, yeah, <laughs> but yeah,
2: no, those. Are yeah, no, I mean, and it was it that, that what you're talking about right there was definitely something that was um, a uh, you know a, a discussion, and I think that it was the W Network, and I think that um, I I don't know if the show is still running anymore, but okay. I think that that um, was a, was a conversation that came back a few times. Now, I mean, it is a. I believe a U.S. based uh, production. Yeah. Um, but I certainly know that there are, um, you know, like I know that there are union members, ACTRA members, like, cause there are certain you know, that are blind that are, you know, based in Toronto. And um, Yeah. Yeah, occasionally yeah, auditions
1: I, will go out and they'll be looking for a blind, like in in, in This Is Us, the show, big show in the US, they yeah. had a little boy cast to play the little blind boy, Jack, and he was, he's blind mm-hmm. So it life. is starting
0: to happen more. It's happening, yeah. It's, it's like any of these things, it's a gradual change yeah, that we're, yeah. things are happening, but we're noticing more and more change as time goes on, so.
1: I'm also looking, I'm, right, I'm, I was also yeah. looking out for the show, um, the show that was supposed to be, I don't know if they've been, made it or if COVID slowed it down, but made based on the book, All the Light Cannot See. I'm not sure if you are familiar at all. With that one,
2: but that's another story with the blind character in it. Um, okay, no, I don't, but, uh, I don't know about it yet. But, but like what you're talking about in terms of representation is so important. You know, like yeah. I myself am, a, I'm a mixed race woman, so mm-hmm. um, my my heritage is um, Nigerian and German. Um, but you know, raised out in in uh, Alberta, and then you know moved when I was older to uh, out, out east here. Um, but uh, my company, like you know, like I it like my audio describers have got a black guy from trinidad and you know uh, another describer who's another mixed race person who um has indigenous heritage um my next project's coming up in terms of like not straight audio description but like you know like what am i What am i kind of trying to build with my company um is a like an indigenous led audio description training program which is a bit different from like the indigenous like what my first go at it was an indigenous apprenticeship and now I'm I'm like I'm really into this the idea of representation and lived experience it's so important it's so lacking from the industry there's so much racism that is kind of um Uh, like institutionalized in many of the spaces that I work in, be them, you know, be they like large, you know, theater institutions or galleries or, you know, and I'm kind of confronted with it sort of all the time. And so I just make choices that like veer towards, um, you know, like trying to change that a little bit Um, because like I know from firsthand experience that it's, um, it is, it's, uh there' yeah like that, that there's a
0: lack of re- representation yeah I'm so um, I'm so out there glad that you are open to, to talking about that stuff because I think you know we we obviously focus so much on representation and and diversity and race and all of these topics on our show but yet Carrie and I are both white so it's it's one of those things that sometimes it's 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 still unfortunately that it's something it's sometimes hard to kind of know the best way to approach it or to, to get it covered on on our program but yet we really want to so it is just my, very much appreciated yeah. when we have a guest on that, that is talking about this stuff and, and how important, you know, inclusion and, and diversity and just having that mixed group of people working together who all come from different backgrounds and have different perspectives and, and it's just, it's all so important.
1: Yeah, but I think, I mean, allyship it, matters. It's, you know, I we can't, un- <clears throat> we can't understand the experience of being a person of color in, in a racist society, right, um, with all this the stuff that's simmering and then that's we're trying to confront more and more but is has always existed there um and but yet as blind people with disabilities and as me as a woman like we can all understand these intersectionalities to a certain point and and that's why allyship is so important to me and i learn so much from everyone else and storytelling is a big part of that no matter which way you do it um we the way we do it on a show or a podcast covers these topics or you know live theater might do um it's it's great just to see it everywhere
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, and, and I mean, I think there's the the that your experiences as, as you know, or the experience of anybody being blind or partially sighted, like you know, there's there's there are intersections in terms of, I mean, not only not only is anybody living only one thing, right? Like, yeah. but there's sort of intersections in terms of our lived experiences and, and um, uh, you know, um, the things we have to face as we as we're out there out in the world too. So, I appreciate that. i'm I'm very like, um, I'm very always very grateful to um to hear um, when people are actively when people are actively uh, uh, keeping representation front of mind.
1: Yeah, and it's the thing we get with as blind people all the time is that, we're told by certain people we're so inspiring and they're and inspirational. <laughs> and my question that a lot of blind people have been lately that I've been hearing discuss is, so what are you What are you inspired to do? And it's the same thing for all these mm-hmm. intersectionalities and, and and all these experiences that we want to help boost uh, that we see all around us that we feel aren't getting the attention they, they need to get. Um, it's what are we inspired? What kind of action are we taking? And it's, it's sometimes hard and you kind of freeze up and you don't know what to do. Um, but your website has best practices mm-hmm a section for anti-racism yeah
0: that's the section I did when it definitely yeah. bring up was the the best practice section on the website and if you could maybe just speak a little bit to that but like it, I think it's important for for anyone to read it like for example number one is always describe everyone's race for AD users, understanding racism, mm-hmm. which is everywhere, requires describers to name race. So that's just the, the first point mm-hmm. there, but there's so many th- important things covered in this in this list to give people a, a perspective on kind of how to approach audio description and race in these areas where it's still uncomfortable for a lot of people to kind of talk about, but yet we really aren't going to get anywhere, make any change without talking about it. So um, thanks you know, so much yeah. for having that section on, on the superiordescription.com website.
2: Thank you. Yeah, no, I, I, um, I, I actually, it was a response in some ways to my training, which was like, uh, which was sort of what is status quo, um, changing slightly, but which was not to describe race, and then there's this sort of unless it quote unquote mattered, yeah, which mm. I, it took like there's a lot of things you have to learn about describing. (laughs) So there's, you know, like there, and there's a lot of tough things that you have to parse and you have to, um, you know, like another thing is body types and, uh, you know, things like that. And, and, um, and after having a certain amount of experience, I was like, well, wait a minute, this doesn't really make sense to me. And what does mattered mean? And, you know, if it matters, to me it's that that might be different my lived experience is different than somebody else's lived experience so like what are we actually talking about here and it really relates to this kind of white default right yeah. is like a, a, assuming the audience listening is white um, assuming and and the, you know to realistically the vast majority of audio describers working on content experienced in Canada, especially because we do get, you know, um, content described uh, in other places. Um, And, you know, speaking to that, you're, you're ordering like tapes from the U S yeah. Like the, there was not a lot of diversity in, in the audio describer community. I know like maybe five, like, I don't know all the audio describers on the planet, but like there are not that many uh, audio describers who are black, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, The reason I did the indigenous apprenticeship uh, was because there were no audio describers that anyone that I or my colleagues who are in different places around the world, um, you know, could tap who are indigenous or who identify as indigenous. So that's sort of where things are at. And um, so I worked with... um, uh, I had a I had a group of people like I put together a focus group. Um, I I also um, cr- uh, had many discussions with another describer uh, who does sort of similar who's got similar sensitivities. Kat Jermaine um, yeah. and a, a group of probably about five or six blind partially sighted folks who were people of color and um and and ultimately I was like I'm gonna do a manifesto (laughs) and um and then just kind of realized okay I might need a manifesto sort of for myself but actually what I want to share with folks is more like best practices you know so just a really practical guide to uh to to this, you know, world of audio describers who are generally equity seeking folks, right? Who who might need help, you know, in terms of getting suggestions from someone with lived experience uh, to make their descriptions anti-racist and anti-discriminatory. And so that's ultimately what I ended up posting on my website. Um, I had, there's a describer in in, uh, Montreal who was so kind as to translate it into French. Mm -hmm. And so it's up there in English and French um, and hopefully of use to people. (laughs)
1: Yeah, and it's going to become a you know thing with more indigenous programming. Hopefully, going to be developed in Canada and, and around the world, and you know, the revival of their languages and and all these things. But it's certain shows that are um, have uh, you no know, characters or are, are, pe- are people of color. It's important to have the, the person doing the audio description voicing uh, of that of that material be um, black as well, right? So, you know, you don't want white people describing everything you know, there's ways we can, we can incorporate this stuff. And so it's, you know, sections on your, like you have on your website with all these resources you include, it's really great for people to go there and examine these topics from different lenses.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And it's just such great work that you're doing. So today we are speaking with Rebecca Singh of Superior Description Services. You can learn more at superiordescription.com. I kind of want to take it back to the beginning, Carrie, where you mentioned my experience on the weekend that I hadn't gotten into yet with audio description. And I just kind of want to take it back again to the fact of the, the awareness out there of audio description and...
1: Like even with our friends and family and, and like our nephew grew, grew up with it on TV all the time and it, it and good audio description should blend into the show. Right, Brian? That's what you Right.
0: Found so yeah, speaking. I don't know, like for example, before you got that uh, call for the audition there, Rebecca, how much you had heard about audio description in the past or knew about it. But, you know, when I was at my friend's on the weekend, um, a few of us were hanging out and um, their kids were there and they wanted to put on a kids' movie uh, Saturday evening. So the kids picked Finding Dory, the movie. And mm-hmm. uh, I'd never I'd never watched it before. And we were all hanging out, and it's there's younger kids, so it wasn't like everyone be quiet for two hours and listen to this movie every second. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we started the movie, and then uh, my friend's wife was like, did you want audio description on? And, again, this kind of shows a sort of the... Comfortability out there, or how how used to it people are. I kind of took a second. I was like, I don't know. Doesn't really matter either way. Like I was half watching the movie, but half hanging out.
1: And you don't you, you don't want to you worry maybe the kids won't like it or maybe yeah.
0: You never you know. I'd hate to put that on and the kids are like, what is that or what's going on. So <laughs> maybe part of it's my nerves. I don't know what it is, but I'm also sometimes not the most. I'm trying to work on confidence and speaking up. Um. So I, I didn't make my decision right away. But then eventually they were like, oh, let's you know, let's just try it and turn it on. And then once it was on, they'd commented uh, a couple times um, that, oh, I actually kind of like this, and this is actually kind of neat. And and then my my one friend mentioned that he did hardly even noticed it was there, and that was a sign to me. And when I was listening to it too, I noticed that it seemed to be a really well done job. The voice, for one, wasn't over the top. It wasn't the person walked through the door like it wasn't over dramatic. It was in a very nice, not monotone, but a nice tone that blended in well with the movie. And it also wasn't over overkill. There wasn't so much description where it was distracting from the movie at all. So I thought it was a yeah. really it was a really good job. And again, it also just showed the awareness out there and the lack thereof. That I mean, the fact that they brought it up and they you know they're. All sighted, but they've known me for years, so you know it's it's more common maybe than somebody that didn't have a connection with someone who's blind. But but even still, once it was on, I think my one friend had commented after he was like, "Yeah, at first I wasn't sure about turning it on because he didn't probably know what to expect either and and how it would mm-hmm. how it would go in the room." So I don't know. I just think that story reflects how awareness out there does still need to to change because it still isn't known that well by a lot of people, and and also the fact that. When, when somebody who doesn't technically need it, who can see comments how they, they actually appreciated it, that also really helps because it shows that you know, these things are only going to get accepted even more so in society if, if they benefit as many people as possible. So I just thought that whole situation was an interesting experience that sort of tied into t- today's discussion.
2: Yeah, well, I'm I'm glad you had uh you know like I'm glad the title was well described like I think that's uh, fantastic and I I mean there are um there's a movement of truckers in the U.S. who listen to Netflix like there's there are different movements of people who are really like um you know sort of ident self identifying as audio description users and it is sort of separate from any like you know being blind or partially sighted uh, people that just um, enjoy it um, and find that it adds adds value to, you know, whatever the cultural, whatever culture it is that they're consuming. Um, I, I know for a fact, like there, there's kind of a comparison happening to uh, captions. So captioning used to be like an optional thing or something that was considered as being for uh, people who are deaf or hard of hearing. And, and then, you know, it became, and like, there was a certain, you know, requirement as to how much needed to be captioned when it was on TV, for example. Um, And it very quickly became something that was sort of a default. Um, And, you know, so I think audio description is really like where we're at right now is um, I, I, I think that's, you know there is definitely a case and and part of the reason I called my company Superior Description Services is because there, there are different uh, quality levels in terms of description. Mm-hmm. Um, some description and I'm sure you've discussed this is, you know, uh, delivered through AI voices. And if you listen to AI voices all day for work and for, you know, like you may not want to, you know, relax on the couch and listen to an AI voice describe, definitely not. Um, you know, Something that you're trying to un when you're trying to unwind, right? And so, um, yeah. And then there's also different quality levels in terms of like uh, the description itself, and 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 different sort of pressure points in the in the um, production pipeline yeah. um, where things can maybe you know potentially go wrong or be like less accurate. Uh, so ideally what i think will happen and there there you know more and more there's like information you can find online about this is i think there will be um there there will be a certain brands that will have high quality description and it will become something that lots of people go and use and then there will be like there will be a remaining struggle um about you know, getting quality description in areas where it's like the, like it has to do with cost, even though the cost is not that high. Mm-hmm. But I think there's going to be kind of two, there are going to be some people that take one road uh, in terms of like some culture producers. And then there, there'll be, you know, um, yeah, then there'll be a separate conversation where things might have to be legislated or something like that.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, it was, it's so frustrating at points when certain people are not educated at all about audio description and they get audio description and captioning mixed up. Like if you go to the movie theater, they'll think you, you're, you're, you're deaf and you need the, the the captions. No, I need audio description. It's frustrating when people don't know the difference. And so hopefully we're distinguishing what the two, what the two are.
2: Well, I mean, my whole thing is like familiarization. Like, 'cause, cause I like, I work in the theater environment and oftentimes even the patrons who like, you know, who who managed to hear there's audio description? Then decided to spend like thirty five dollars on an art form that you know thirty five precious dollars on an art form that they don't really know because they were never really included um, in kind of before and um, you know and and they come and and they're getting familiar with audio description for live theater for example um, you know just like the theater is and um, so we we like I I encourage familiarization for everybody like including yeah. the ushers and like what what's happening now is um technology is getting more accessible in terms of price like there was there was this big barrier in terms of like audio description is delivered like when you're doing something in person via a headset yeah um often now sometimes also via an app but even that little difference like that you know like in the places where you can uh, get it via the app. you can you don't have a limit as to how many people can be listening. And so um, where we had a, a situation, you know back in my first training days where you had to like, uh, give your CNIB card in order to get a device. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we're now more in a situation where like I really encourage people of course you want to prioritize folks who are blind and partially sighted but let anybody listen. Like we all need to know, um, you know, like we all should become familiar um, with um, with like what it is in, tor- in order to even just to be allies. Yeah. Like and, and quite frequently people are like oh and because I, I write for like, I mean, I'm a storyteller, so I'm going to um, try and augment. The, augment is not exactly the right word, but I'll just give you an example. I like include stuff like when you come to the theater, I'll describe the theater for you. And if the theater had like, I don't know, like there's a theater in um, Toronto that's part of the Harbourfront Centre. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it used to be like it had a, it had a history, right? Like it had this sort of historical um, background. And I might like take a line or two and tell you a little bit about, you know, what what it used to be before it was a
0: theater.
1: Yeah, it's the character um, so of the place that you're at, where yeah. the place you're seeing your show. And that's what you say on your website about extended A.D., yeah. Right, it's
0: beyond yeah. just the, the description of the show itself. It gives you even more input into the the place that you're at and the history and and just all these all these things that you would make you know miss out on if you if you if you can't see or you
1: can't fit it into the sh- the showtime you want to describe the costumes or the set that you that you can't get to everything when you're tr- trying to keep pace with the actual performances and so there's yeah. a lot there's a lot you can do with it and and I I agree <clears throat> I want like everybody who works at these theaters and movie theaters the staff should know what this what this equipment is and what these services are and they mm-hmm. should have to watch movies with them so off every so often to to understand what the what the the people coming in asking for this need and
0: yeah it's a, it's involving everyone in the experience and and that's why my experience on the weekend I shared too just it really did kind of change it, it, it was a positive experience for me because it it did show that I brought some more awareness to my sighted friends about this audio description that they'd never used before so it's just it's a it's an ongoing thing and it's so great to have you on today Rebecca we're we're running down on time here we have uh, just about a minute and a half left but it's been so great today talking with Rebecca Singh uh, they um owner and CEO of Superior Description. You can learn more at superiordescription.com. Also an actor, singer, writer, producer, so many things. And uh, yeah, Cara, today's been great. I don't know what we want to kind of wrap up on. I know the Luminato Festival, we don't probably have too much time to talk about that, care. but that was one area that uh, you heard Re- Rebecca add and, and uh, were interested in. Uh, but yeah, it's so much, so many topics to to cover in an hour, but
1: Yeah, I don't. Do you want? Is there like you want anything you want to share about what you're doing right now, or any products coming up that you can share?
2: Oh my goodness. Well, if anybody is interested, I would just say follow the socials. Mm -hmm. Um, I do my best. Sometimes it gets a little away from me, but um, to have things set up on social media. uh, Next week, I'll be in uh, Ottawa or this week, actually, I'll be in Ottawa for I Forgive You. Um, Something exciting if you're in Toronto is we've been working a lot with the AGO and we have um, the shows, the indoor shows, uh, their main exhibitions are being described. But the next thing that we're working on that I'm starting to prep on now is outside. There's going to be three um, aspects, like the facade of the building, the uh, it's called couch monster. That's like a sculpture outside and one behind the building uh-huh, um, that are going to be described. There'll be a QR code or some way. I, actually, I'm not probably a QR code, some way to access that just from out doors and I think actually like one of the things about them is because they have such a huge amount of people coming there you really get people who are blind partially sighted but also um you know other other folks that are gonna
0: exactly awesome so come check that out
2: Uh, it'll be ready by the summer
1: Great. Well, I am going to keep in touch with you, Rebecca. Yeah. I, a lot more. I'd like to talk to you about my, off the air about and, Absolutely,
0: uh, <laughs> feel free to reach out. You have our email now if there's anything in the future that comes up that you'd like us to mention on the show or, you know, we'd yeah. love to have you back again someday as well. And it's always so great to talk about this this stuff on Outlook. So everyone go to superiordescription.com if you want anything described or need, you know, want to work with with them on anything that you want described from images to to shows to movies, whatever it may be reach out at superiorscription.com. Thanks thanks again Rebecca for joining us today.
2: Thank you so much
0: Send us an email Outlook on Radio western at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at outlookcfB and on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Outlook on Radio Western.